Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio's Spotify Live post game. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Funny Games for the evening. Um, it had to come to an end at some point. The Flyers played mostly the way they've played for, you know, the first three games of the season, and it caught up with them. Uh, seriously outshot, seriously outchanced, seriously outmatched by their competition, and it came, uh, it all came undone tonight. I gotta tell you, this is a, um, there are players, there are storylines, there are things to watch with this team. Uh, if you're like an avid follower of the Philadelphia Flyers, but just from an entertainment standpoint, they are a wholly uninteresting team. Uh, they never have the puck. Dynamic plays do not happen. Uh, they're just kind of getting by with defense and, uh, or with really not defense, goaltending and luck. Um, obviously, that was never going to sustain itself. And it showed tonight. I, uh, I'm bored by this team, man. Like, they're just, they're just not going to show us anything other than what we've seen in these first four games. Now, obviously, the results of each game, it's it's a lot like the strategy here is a lot like the NBA, like a uh, like a Tom Thibodeau team. Um, if you just try hard every night, like it's an 82-game season, you're going to catch a lot of teams off guard and maybe you'll win more games than you should. That's basically what this team's going to try to do, and that's cool they're going to win more games than they probably should, I guess. But we all know where this is going, whether they end up being one of the five worst teams or, you know, they fake their way to a, to mediocrity, whatever it is, they're just going to show us what they've shown us already. And that's a hardworking team that just isn't very good. And after four games, I'm already like, Oh my God, this is it. This is it. This is all they have for us. So that's just kind of where I am. Maybe I'm down because the, uh, maybe I'm down because, you know, the Phillies lost or I just don't want (laughs) to do this and then go do the WIP overnight and I'm a little tired, but I'm just like, ugh, with this team already, even though they're 3-1-0 and uh, they've been, I guess, at least record-wise better than we expected. I just, this is all, this is who they are. We know exactly what we're going to see for the next 78 games. All right, let's open it up to the calls. Let's go to Nikki Hall to start it off. What's going on tonight, Nikki? Hey, Bill. How's it going? Very well. How are you? Yeah, a little under the weather today, going to be honest. Um, it's actually a lot worse earlier, but, uh, you know, I uh, guess it's only fitting the Phillies lose that the Flyers lose too. I mean, the Sixers threw it all off the tracks last night is what really happened. Yeah, that's probably uh, one way of looking at it. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just this team, uh, it's like you said, it's like I, I don't – I'm not going to lie that I won't – I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that the 3-1 our starting record of 3-1-0 isn't impressive. I mean, it's not the most impressive, but, you know, I can still – point to some positives even though we're not really getting you know we don't have those 
big time plays. We don't really make those. You know, we're always constantly. That's just, and it's like you know, you even said like you know this coming from behind. You know, we can't keep doing this and expect we're going to get wins out of it. Like, yeah, I'll take wins any way we can, but it would be nice to you know get the lead, maintain the lead. You know, win the game that way. You know, I don't want to constantly be playing from behind. Like, well, the thing is, Nick is uh, their strategy appears to be defend and then get lucky on offense, uh, pick their spots and take their chances where they can, and that's going to result in the other team getting a ton of chances as they got tonight. And mm-hmm. you're going to be behind a lot when the other team has like twice as many shots as you. Mm-hmm. That that. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, what's a call it? The guy that we claimed off of waivers today. Do we? What, what do we know about the guy? What do we know about him? What? What's? What? Uh, did he even play tonight, or what? What's his deal exactly? He's uh. From what I saw, uh, Tortorella says it just gives them a little bit of uh, flexibility. They can maybe send Tanner Lazinski down, and he can get more just games and more playing time, and. It's just another body. It's just uh, that this team is made up of a lot of dudes who are just guys, and that's what that's who they claimed off of waivers today. Fair enough. Um, how do you think Santrum did aside of the loss? I, mean, I thought he was, for what it was, he wasn't terrible. Yeah, I'm just letting the train pass. Hold on. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought Sandstrom was okay. I thought they were overblowing a little bit how well he was playing until the uh, until the fourth goal. I thought he definitely made some big impressive stops, uh, but for the most part, I just thought he was average. Um, that's he makes some really impressive saves, and then he lets some easy ones in. That's what I've seen out of him basically since uh, the first couple of times I saw him at rookie and development camps. He's super athletic. He can make some wow saves, and he's just kind of all right. Hmm. Well, I think that's basically all I have. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's our loss. Hopefully, you know, we can get – we'll string together some Ws again, hopefully sooner rather than later. You know, we'll see where we go from here. All right, thanks a lot, Nikki. Appreciate you stopping in tonight. Uh, let's go to 69. What's going on tonight, 60? Hey, Bill. Um, thanks for uh, bringing the post games back. Uh, got to tune into a couple of your uh, overnight shows over the summer. Um, I got a couple questions for you. I kind of like following up on like this week's uh, BSH radio. It's like you guys were talking about like Chuck Fletcher, and I mean, man, he just does not negotiate like some of his contracts, like if it feels like there's no negotiating, it's like the player just, you guys said the player just walked up and says, Hey, I want this. And Chuck's like, yeah, you want to know movement clause as well? Yeah, um, like four years, four years for Delorier, <laughs> like the exact Mackenzie Weger contract for Sandheim. Like, Oh, it's going to cost them well, to move JVR. It's going to cost the 2023 first. Like really, there was no wiggle room anywhere. It just, this is what it is. Okay. I, I guess. If you go down the line, I mean, I think the contracts uh, Fletcher signed, it's like Proveroff, Hayes, uh, Risto, Sanheim, Delorier. I mean, they're all even, they're all probably about a million dollar overpayment. If you go down the list, I mean, say what you want about Risto, like four million, three million, whatever. That's probably about where he's at if he was on the, on the open market. But I mean, 
it's just every single one, including Nick Delorier. What is he, 1.4? And, I mean, league minimum's 750. He's still about a million-dollar overpayment. But um, It's just like, well, Delorier had other suitors. Like, okay, then let him go there. Exactly. Like, like what, <laughs> what, what are you expecting from this team that you absolutely had to have this guy? This is yeah. This is our guy. We're gonna we're gonna build around Nick Deloria. That was that was the the entire summary of this offseason. But um, it, it's it's honestly great to see some of the younger kids get a chance now. Like I, it felt like there's a log jam at the top with like the past like five years. With like, I was a huge G fan, Voracek fan, but I mean G Voracek are gone. Coots is out. Atkinson out. It's great to see some of these kids play and like kind of get to see. All right, well this is what we have and we got to figure out what we have. And uh, it's, it's cool seeing some of them step up, but it's like, Holy cow, man. Like not one of these guys is a Fletcher pick and he's been here for how long? Yeah. That's it's like, we're still trying to get answers on the previous regimes guys. And we like Cam York, his first pick. Yeah. He's a phantom. He'll be, I mean, he'll be up eventually and, Maybe he'll be a decent NHL player. It's just like, like we are no, this so is far crazy. behind on just figuring out who the previous regime's players are. Bill, it's been what, like three, four, you run like the fourth or fifth year of Chuck Fletcher. I guess like fourth of his like draft picks. And like we, we can't figure, like he doesn't have a single guy in this lineup that he picked through the draft. Does he not have one? Is that possible? I think wow. that's the case. I thought York is it, right? Yeah, right. Oh my god, that doesn't seem possible. Holy! I shit. don't know. I'm I'm just spitballing <laughs> off the top of my head, but like I don't I don't know if there's a single no, guy just, that he's picked that's in the lineup. I'm running through them in my head, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're right, and that's just like that's insane, uh, especially for a team in a position where it's going to quote unquote play the kids. And you're right, like that is the interesting part of this season is we're going to see a lot of guys finally get a chance, but it's guys who should have been given chances like three years ago. I don't know if you can like pass this. I'd love to see you guys. You asked like Kelly and Steph and Charlie this question. It's like, at what point should we start seeing Fletcher's guys, especially with this bad of a lineup that we, that we're putting out there? Like it, has he been a failure like through his drafts? Like I thought we, I thought he was a great drafter at first, but like, man, like, it's been this long. We don't even have a single guy in yet. But uh, thank you so much. I'll hang up and let the other guys speak. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it, 60. Yeah, it's uh, – wow. I, like, it's something I knew but hadn't thought. Like, not a one, huh? All right, let's go to uh, Chris H. Chris H. is on. What's going on tonight? Uh, hey, Bill. How are you doing? Very well. Um. <laughs> You know what the funny thing is? Like, I was looking forward to this. Well, I wouldn't say I was really looking forward to this season because, you know, Eagles football. I'm I'm more invested in the Eagles than I am the Flyers at this moment because the Flyers, you watch these games, man, and it's it's a struggle for them to get anything. It's a struggle to get a goal. It's a struggle to defend. It's a struggle. You're They're struggling as soon as the puck drops. They have to hope a lucky bounce goes in, you know, a lucky shot goes in. Because they don't have the skill. Because that's that's how they built this roster. They wanted Hayes. They wanted JVR. They wanted these guys who don't have a lot of skill. They got a hoop for luck. And now you look at them, and it's like, man, they were just outclassed out there. <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, 
Claude Giroux was by far the most skilled guy in this lineup for a long time, even as he started to age. Jake Voracek right behind him, and uh, they've done nothing to replace any anything close to that production. Uh, we're going to get a good look at some players who could be pieces for this organization moving forward, but not a one of them is going to, like, be the determining factor in winning and losing a playoff series, except maybe Carter Hart. Yeah, and and the crazy thing is, it Chuck Fletcher has done so much damage that it's you can't fix the damage. Even if you fired Chuck Fletcher, no one's taking Katoria's contract. Nobody's taking Hayes' contract. Nobody's taking Sanheim. Nobody's taking Ristolainen. So you're stuck with these guys. So, and that's the core. That has to be the core. So, you know, even if the young guys come up, say the young guys come up, but Chuck really hasn't shown any you know development with these young guys as the last caller said i mean he doesn't have any young guys in the nhl so we're hoping those guys perform (laughs) he's taking some shots on guys that are just going to be like maybe longer term projects they're going to take a little longer to develop but maybe it turns out but not a one not one that's uh and cam york's going to be here probably like i assume Christmas at the latest, like he's here for the uh, for the Disney on Ice road trip, uh, probably way before that. But man, not one guy. And I and that and the baffling thing is, I don't understand some of these signings. Like Delorier, like okay, you sign this guy. The only way that Delorier signing even made sense, it didn't even make sense at the beginning. But is it's like your team, like maybe say you know, a young team like Buffalo or something has a bunch of young guys. You want a guy in there that's going to defend, you know, your stars or something. We don't got no stars to defend, man. If you want to take a run at, you know, freaking therapy or something, take a run at him, dude. He, he ain't no freaking Phil Kessel out there. Like, we're acting like we're defending, you know, with Risto and Deloitte, these, you know, superstar players. We don't got them. So what was the point? Like, they're not going to show these young guys the ropes because, one thing, they aren't good at hockey. Two, they... <laughs> They're just, uh, we don't have, you know, superstars because that's what Chuck Fletcher wanted. He wants us to be in the middle of the draft every year because that's what this roster is built like. So we aren't going to get Connor, you know, Beddar or any of those elite guys. And it's like, bro, it is so frustrating. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> he wanted, I guess, uh, and thanks a lot, Chris. He wanted the, uh, <laughs> He wanted Delorier and uh, this off season. It wanted to be like an extension of Tortorella. Like we are going to make this team tougher and build from that. Uh, but I always look at like the Tampa Bay model. Tampa Bay already had the stars, and they were really fucking good. And maybe they needed to get tougher. Maybe they just had one bad playoff series, you know, whatever. Uh, But regardless, they had all the awesome players. And then they went out and got like Luke Shen and Pat Maroon and all those guys. They built the winner first and then had, you know, the tough assholes to protect them. And they're just trying to do it without any of the really good players. It's... We've talked this through, and again, they're 3-1-0. It's not like they've been horrible to start this year, but just watching them play, they are seriously outmatched. 
just so many things have to go right for them to win a game. And to their credit, uh, they worked uh, incredibly hard to secure those first three wins. And they erased the two-goal deficit tonight. They kept working till the end to make it a one-goal game, which was nice because I bet the Flyers plus a goal and a half. So that was cool. But overall, we saw – we've been seeing – what this team is and what it is, is just not that good as we all suspected. And finally it, uh, it, it showed itself on the scoreboard tonight. Uh, let's go to Patrick Reed Miller. What's going on tonight, Patrick? Hey Bill, how's it going? Long time no see. It's been a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that Phillies game. Ugh, gross. But anyway, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I'm kind of glad we, we lost, but, um, I think the proof is in. I think I don't know where I saw it. I think we're being we've been outshot in almost every single game, even though we've won. I think I might be wrong, yeah, but yeah, I feel been, like that's a thing. They've been outchanced, outshot, and I'm I'm almost positive. So, four games. so it looks like the wheels are starting to fall off. Maybe because <laughs> man, the game wasn't even that exciting. Like cool, a nothing, lot of goals were cool, that's, but there like were seven goals and nothing happened somehow in this game. The most exciting goal was probably like um, the Kevin Hayes pass to connect me to score in garbage time with the second left. I'm like, wow, that was a nice pass, but it was was all for not. Boring games I've ever watched. I was so out on this game, like halfway through it. If I didn't want to just skip Saturday's post game, there would be no post game tonight because I have nothing to say. Nothing happened in that game. I mean. Sandstrom was down on the first goal of the game, I remember. He didn't get up, and I'm just like, why didn't you get up, man? Like, you left the top of the net wide open. I don't know. He leaves, uh, he, uh, he made Reminds some, me of Bob. He he made some really nice saves tonight, but he uh, he shows a lot of net. That's, <laughs> the, the goals were not flukes that went in on him. Uh, he's showing a lot of net when he's down. Yeah, I think, like, the second one maybe, like, deflected off a of D'Angelo or something. But still, you, you got to have it. Yeah, just with, with the, the talent that we supposedly have, we uh, we need all the help we can get. No, that's that's how they won the first three games is spectacular goaltending performance. Anything short of that, they will lose. I guess, uh, I guess I'll end it on this, Bill, since it's kind of a boring game. Think we're gonna be yelling about a lot of ten game losing streaks this year? Do you think they're coming? It would not shock me, Pat. Uh, thanks a lot. The ten game losing streaks have been, yeah. I I will not be shocked by multiple uh, long losing streaks this season because you know what happens when what happens when Carter Hart misses two three weeks? You know, <laughs> like this team. Has so little skill, it's unbelievable. Now, I do believe in some of these young guys that they can break out and show us they're more than we think. But even at that point, how many of them are first-line caliber players? I'm willing to bet absolutely none. How many of them are second-line caliber players? Maybe a couple. Maybe. Like, it's just the players we do have are trying to prove that they just belong on a decent roster. They're not difference makers. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to Jason H. Jason H, you're live. Hello, Bill. How are you doing? What's up tonight, Jason? You know, I can't be mad. I, I really can't be. I mean, I understand 
the complaints. I understand what people are saying, but the truth is last year, if you go back, we come out tonight after a back-to-back, after an emotional win over the defending Eastern Conference champions, Tampa. We come out tonight against Florida in an obvious letdown spot. And you don't come out and play your best game, obviously, but even so, fought through the end. You get a goal to get closer toward the end. I mean, obviously, we we all know they don't have the talent. That's very clear. But at least it's at least it's, this is a team that's fighting and didn't come out tonight and did what it would done in say March last year and got beat seven one. Oh yeah, that's there's. I think the uh, all the little intangible stuff, John Tortorella is already helping restore in this team. And we'll see, you know, how long that lasts when they're, you know, in last place in the division in January and February, if they're still fighting like that. But yes, they're, absolutely, the organization itself has less to be embarrassed about. Uh, over this team and tonight even for a good team like when you do the Florida trip and you have a back-to-back the second game is a scheduled loss there's very little you can do for anyone to win like uh, play Tampa play Florida back-to-back nights and win the second one that's ridiculous that it's ever scheduled that way and there are positives and things my issue is we finally saw what happens in these situations. They just don't have a chance. Uh, They're just so outmatched and they didn't get lucky tonight. They didn't get uh, tremendous goaltending. So they lose. Quick question. Um, Was Chuck in charge of the 2018 draft or no? Trying to, he was, his first year was 2018, 19. So, so the 19 draft would be his first, right? Okay, yeah, because I'm looking at the draft history because 18 is Farabee, and that's where I was assuming. But, yeah, 19's York, Brink, Adder, Millam, Serdiak, Ross, and Rudzinski. Yes, yeah, okay. So the last Hextall draft was Farabee O'Brien. All right, yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. right. So it was okay. Cam York was uh, was the first one for Flash. Okay, okay, that's what I was just trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That yeah, yeah. No one has made it, and a lot of these guys, I don't think, are even close. I mean, York obviously Brink was up. Wisdom. Yeah, Brink would Brink would be here if he wasn't hurt. He'd be in the lineup, and York got sent down. Um, Forrester, Wisdom. I don't know how close McClellan and. Pardon my pronunciation, Andre De- Desnors. Desnoyer? Uh, Desnoyer, yeah. Okay. I was just just looking through these. It's like, yeah, that's that's kind of scary. No, it's there's some guy like Forster could pop. I think Desnoyer could pop. Wisdom might be an NHL player, but it's just how long do we have to wait for these guys? And we we asked the same question with with uh, Hextall's players. You know, we had so much hope for so many Hextall's guys, and it was you know what, two years after they draft Sandheim, he's, he's splitting time in the Phantoms, and we're all sitting there like, what are we doing? What are what? we doing here? Andrew McDonald plays 22 minutes a night. Well, I know you follow this on a daily basis, so you're a little more educated than most people when it comes to this, but what a lot of fans don't understand is 
they look at the baseball draft and the hockey draft the same way they look at the NBA draft and and the ML and the NFL draft, where they're like, why aren't those guys playing right away? Why aren't they succeeding right away? I don't think they understand that a lot of guys are just developmental players sometimes that are not intended to make it right away. Sometimes they're just building depths in the organization, like, hey, we're grabbing a project here. You know, the you know, especially in the, when you get into the NBA draft when it's like twenty fifth round of the draft and they're they're drafting kids who are relatives in the organization. Yeah, no, it's it, the the NHL is younger than ever. <laughs> Guys are succeeding at a younger age than ever, but still, it's mostly the superstars who come in at eighteen and nineteen. Right. For the most part, twenty one, twenty two. Several years after you're drafted is when you first start making an impact. Right. Right. Anyway, have a good night. Sorry your Phillies got beat. My Yankees are probably going to get beat too. So take care. Take it easy, Jason. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was a rough Phil's game tonight. But, uh, hey, they split on the road, have a day off, and three in a row at home. Uh, hard to complain about that situation. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to Chris Krochak. What's going on tonight, Chris? Hey, Bill. How's it, how's it going, man? Good to be back on the show. It's been good, a, I think my first one of the season, so it's good to be back. Um. Yeah, one thing I wanted to add, kind of uh, talking about the the lack of just any top-end talent or any top-end talent coming, you know, in a year or two. I remember, uh, like, uh, in the offseason, I, I was talking to somebody about just, like, my general outlook of the organization. And I was saying, like, you know, the biggest problem is if you made a list of the top 100 players in the NHL, I don't think we have a single one. And uh, sure enough, uh, ESPN, and I know they're all, you know, arbitrary but ESPN put out a list like a day or two ago top 100 players and sure enough zero flyers on the list not even Sean Couturier and I'm just thinking to myself damn like we don't have a single top 100 player in the league and then I'm looking at our prospects I mean who who could possibly become that Cutter goes yet yeah uh he's your <laughs> He's your best chance, uh, you know, fifth overall draft pick. That's usually who you look to to be one of those high-end guys. Um, yeah, it's it's a great question. They they don't have a ton of it. I believe Sean Couturier should make that list if healthy. But we I agree. Know, we don't know what version of Sean Couturier we're going to see when we do see him. So yeah. it's tough. You know, I always say think about – Think about John LeClaire. You know, John LeClaire, obviously, you know, Eric Lindros was a huge part of it. But think about LeClaire before and after the back injury. He went from a 50-goal scorer to a 20-goal scorer. And yep. uh, it's it, you might never be the same. Now, he could just recover and be totally fine for next two, three years, and he looks exactly like Selkie Sean Couturier. Or he's a shell of himself, and we're even more screwed. Yeah, that's that's terrifying because he's a player who's never really relied on his speed or anything like that. He's kind yeah, of just always relied on. Before. Yeah. So a 30 year old player with a back injury who already can't skate. I mean, I could be wrong. He could be fine. And I'm hoping that's the case. Cause I love watching Coos play hockey. But um, yeah. And I guess the only other thing I really wanted to say is that like, uh, you know, the, we can't be too disappointed because, you know, the last few weeks, like, we looked at this roster and we're like, yeah, it's going to be a pretty lousy team. It's going to be very uneventful hockey. We're not going to win many games. And that's best-case scenario, ideally, because they're going to probably get that top pick we really want or close to it. 
Um, but I guess like the one silver lining is, you know, they're not going to win a lot of games. They clearly aren't going to outskill most teams, if any. But, you know, I, I do sense that, like, at least it seems like they, they give a shit a little bit more than in years past, and that's definitely the John Tortorella effect. So, like, at the very least, it is nice to have some semblance of, like, not a winning culture, but a culture where just, like, it, it means something to be out there. And, and I think that's what's been lacking. So, at, at the very least, like, you don't want to turn into a Buffalo where it's, like, yeah, they're terrible, but the organization is also just not trying to win. At least, you know, like, Tortorella's trying to get them to win games. They're not going to win many, but at least, like, that culture is going to somewhat be improved, I hope. No, it's – and, again, it's still early, and thanks a lot, Chris. It, like, we'll see if they still have that try-hard, rah-rah shit in, in February when they're in last place in the division. But as of right now, everyone knows what this team is. The players know the team is – like, do you think they're stupid? They know. You know, <laughs> but they're out there and they are not embarrassing themselves and embarrassing the franchise. Uh, let's see. Let's go to. <laughs> oh, could not get that mute button fast enough. Let's go to Andrew Kagan. Sorry about that, everybody. What's going on tonight, Andrew? Andrew, hit the unmute button. Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for thanks for doing these. By the way, it's my uh, I'm more of a recent recent listener, so I appreciate these. It's nice to recap this with other Flyers fans. So I appreciate that you're you're having us and and doing this forum for us all. Bill, I was at the game tonight. I'm a Florida resident, so I was there live in person. And let me tell you, I usually when I'm in Florida at a game, I'm with probably it's like a. I've seen it past where it's been as much of a 60-40 split fan-wise, where there will be about 60% Panthers fans, 40% Flyers fans. That's That was probably pre-Barkov era, but maybe even slightly into Barkov. I'll tell you tonight, I was maybe, it was less than 5%. It was a 95% Panthers, and I get it's their home opener and, and whatnot, but I, I felt very kind of alone there tonight. I was I was not uh, not expecting that. Um, regardless, what the weird thing for me there being in person, and uh, I, I would like your kind of from what you saw as well, Bill, but when the Flyers were on the power play tonight, it, it you couldn't even tell. You couldn't even tell. And it may be because I'm there at the game. The, the arena is obviously not promoting a Flyers power play, but you couldn't tell from the play itself. I mean, most of the faceoffs were in the Flyers zone. They were plenty of shorthand odd man rushes being given up. And it was just, I had to be reminded by people sitting next to me that we were, we were on the power play. And I'd look down and go, oh shit, we are on the power play. And you just, you just couldn't tell. And that was for me, maybe the most uncomfortable, unsettling feeling as a Flyers fan to just see this power play basically non-existent. I mean, you, you couldn't tell it was happening. So I just, you know, I'll kind of, I'll shut up. I'm rambling, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. No, yeah, it's uh, yeah, Andrew. It it definitely. What did Florida have? Like five or six shots shorthanded tonight. The Flyers. It's it's one of those phases of the game where their obvious lack of talent really shows itself because they don't have anyone who can just take over and control the pace of play. Kevin Hayes can do it a little bit, uh, but you know he's more of a puck possession guy. He can create chances and looks. Uh, by holding the puck as long as he does. But overall, 
no, they they don't have anyone who scares a defense and would back a defense off so that you can have that uh, prolonged possession time on the power play. It They did score a power play goal, but for the most part, it, no, it, it just kind of looked like, oh, look, the Flyers have some offensive zone time, and it was really the only offensive zone time they had all night. Yeah, and absolutely, and they're kind of – inability to hold on to the puck for a prolonged period of time and control the play is really concerning. I hope that's something that they're either working on actively or trying to, or is it a matter of confidence? I think I'm optimistic that that's some area for an improvement and they got to know that that's an area they're being outplayed in every, the shots they've been so far, Bill, tell me if I'm wrong here. Uh, they've been out probably double, you know, the opposing teams probably got double the shots on them every single night. And that's just unsustainable. Yeah. They won three games. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm happy about that. But I just, over the long term, I feel like the law of averages has to work itself out there. Right. I mean, uh, being outshot by double, by double on a, on a, on a nightly basis, not controlling the puck really in any meaningful way. I don't see, I don't see how it, um, it ever kind of improves. No, and you're right, Andrew, and thanks for uh, stopping in tonight. You're starting to break up a little there at the end. But it's the power play, while, you know, we can just point to, oh, well, they don't have any good players. So, obviously, the power play isn't very good. They have scored some goals. And the one thing we can say about the power play is, like, John Tortorella is so concerned with the fundamentals, so concerned with just making this team, quote-unquote, play the right way. I would not be shocked if they've spent 20 minutes total practicing the power play. You know, it's, I, I can just see it as something low on the priority list because like conditioning and you know, puck carriers facing five defensemen, like all these things are far more important than uh, like, okay, how are we going to have our five best skill players? What are, what are they going to do? What's their strategy uh, on the off chance we draw a penalty. And since we're in the defensive zone all the time, it's probably rare that we're going to draw penalties, but they have had more opportunities and they've, they've cashed in on them more than I kind of expected, especially to, uh, especially to start this season. But uh, I think the power play can improve just because they haven't worked on it at all. I'm willing to guess, but overall when you don't have, a dynamic player playmaker or two, what the hell are you supposed to do on the power play? There's no one there to take over. All right, let's go to uh, Warren Brody. Warren Brody's going to wrap. Yeah, sorry about the abrupt ending, fam. Uh, that was user error on my part. I uh, went to Warren, and instead of clicking on his name, I uh, clicked the end button. My bad. Uh, but I think we basically talked out that first loss of the season. And, you know, uh, just looking forward to the next show. I will get this new Spotify Live desktop app down eventually. I think I did a better job of normalizing the volume in this episode of the post game. Uh, bear with me. It's the, uh, it's, it's, it's game three, it's game four for me as well. So uh, we'll, we'll get the kinks worked out. Uh, but that's it for this edition of the BSH Radio Spotify Live postgame. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button, search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, 
Content, baby. Uh, all you could ever want. Uh, there's probably not going to be a post game after Saturday's game, but you know my thing. I always come back during the weekdays, never going anywhere for too long. So uh, look forward to talking to you. And Warren Brody, you're first up on the next show. That's my bad for hanging up on you. Uh, that's it for me. Until next time, have a great week, everybody.